the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Over family, over friends, we as Christians must be willing to serve the Lord over everything else. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're picking up again in the study. This is part two. We're going to find our text in Exodus chapter 4, and I've entitled this message, Being Resistant. Have you ever been resistant on doing something? I wonder, is there anyone you need to talk to as the Holy Spirit moves in your heart? Are there any unresolved issues that you need to deal with? That's something to think about. But getting back to Moses, God told him to go back to the belly of the beast. Go back to Egypt. Go back to where you ran from. And as reluctant and resistant and hesitant that Moses was, he was now willing to go. Again, out of respect, he got permission from his father-in-law, Jethro. Let's not forget 40 years earlier when Moses was a fugitive, It was Jethro that opened up his arms to him and received Moses. It was Jethro that he was this respected man of God. We're told in chapter 3 that he was a priest. And he not only got Moses started in business as a sheep herder, he also gave him one of his daughters to marry. But now, for Moses, there was a higher calling. And how we must heed the same high calling over family, over friends, we as Christians must be willing to serve the Lord over everything else, everything else. This, of course, didn't mean leaving his wife in the dust by saying to her, hey, honey, God's called me to go back to Egypt, so uh, see ya. No, it's like we all go together. All those multiple trips back and forth to Virginia, learning the lessons that I had to learn. You know, back earlier, it was my wife and kids all in tow. We all went together. We all did it as a family. We moved here to start this church. We did it together. Why? Because that's what God called. Verse 20 said that he took his wife and his sons. He took them with him. But what does this mean? As we as Christians here, are we to put things secondary to our relationship with God? Yes. Everything goes secondary to our relationship with God. Everything. We should obey the word of God over everything else, no matter what. Notice what God tells Moses in verse 19. The men that were seeking your life are dead, he said. Now, why is that there? Well, obviously, God wanted to reassure Moses that it was going to be safe for him to go. 
Moses was probably really concerned for when he fled Egypt, there was a death warrant that was put over his head, as you remember. Yet God, once again, reassures Moses that he will be safe. Why? Because he will be with him. I love how God takes the time to tell us, you and me, over and over again, how much he cares for us. Consider the difference between what God tells us as believers and how he feels towards the non-believer. Think about this. Here's a few examples. Proverbs 11:8 says, "The righteous talking about his children is delivered from trouble, but the wicked takes his place." God says, "I will deliver you from trouble and I'll put the wicked in your place." How about that? Proverbs 24 verse 16 says, for a righteous man falls seven times. Don't we stumble at times? Don't we slip at times? We can fall up to seven times, but we rise again. Why? Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But he goes on to say, but the wicked stumble in a time of calamity. A world's facing many climatic issues that are we're in right now today. All kinds of things. The wicked will fall. We will rise above them somehow, some way. Again, we're told in Proverbs eleven twenty one. Assuredly, the evil man will not go unpunished. Sometimes you see people like they're a total heathen and they're prospering. They have a new car, a better job. They make more money than me. And you think, oh, gee, look at the wicked prosper. God says the wicked will not go unpunished. Their judgment is coming. It is coming soon. But the, what does he say? My descendants of the righteous will be delivered. We will be delivered in the coming judgment. We will stand before God one day. We will see him face to face and he will say to us, well done thou good and faithful servant. Come into the joy of the Lord. So Moses packs up the family donkey here and he hits the road. Notice what God told him in verse 21, that Pharaoh was not going to let the people go. This, by the way, is the second time that God has already told Moses that Pharaoh was not going to listen to him. The first time was back in chapter 3, verse 19. Now, why is this important? Because in a future study, we're going to see Moses come apart at the seams when Pharaoh doesn't listen to him and doesn't let the people go. Oh, I can't believe it. God, you sent me all the way down here and he's not letting the people go. I told you twice already that he's not going to listen to you. I already told you that. But we're going to see Moses fall apart at the seams just like we do at times when we think that God's forsaken us all of a sudden, something happens and, you know, something comes out of the nowhere and hits us between the eyes. We're like, oh God, you've forsaken me. No, God hasn't forsaken us. Why is it when something doesn't work out, we completely lose it? Like our life, as we know it, is over, we think, at times. The Lord always has a plan for us. Always, always. Moses was also, in verse 21, he was supposed to show Pharaoh the power that God gave him. So he's supposed to go in there, throw down the staff. We're going to see him do all of this stuff and turns into a snake. And you might think, man, I wish I had one of those. Man, if I had one of those, it'd be so cool when I'm trying to share the gospel with someone. I, you know, I just have my little staff there, and I say, hey, when's the last time someone told you about Jesus? And they say, take your Jesus, and, you know, I don't care about your Jesus. Oh, yeah? Pfft, pfft, 
<laughs> I mean, you know, it's just like, ah, you know, like, you want to hear a little bit about them now, you know, and you pick it back up, you know, you think, oh, man, this would be great if I just had a staff that turned into a snake. But know this, we don't need any hocus pocus tricks. God has given us something that is so much greater than a staff. He's given us the cross, the cross. Understand, the staff was a symbol of God's power. But guess what? In the same way, the cross represents God's power. It represents God's power over sin and death. And each one of us are a testimony of that power of the cross in our lives. We can all say, if we're Christians, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once lost, but now I'm saved. The cross is the universal sign of God's love. You could go to every nation under the sun today, every people group, every race, and they can come to the cross Every sin that's ever been ravaged by every life that's ever been ravaged by sin can be restored. Hope can fill the hopeless. His healing can cleanse the dirtiest of sinners. Yet again, Moses is told that Pharaoh will not listen. How many will see God's hand here? How many will see it here? I mean, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And some will say, oh, well, there you go. They'll say, oh, sorry, Pharaoh. You know, you drew the short straw. God's going to make an example out of you, and you don't have a choice in it. God's going to harden your heart. And this is where Reformed theologians of today will have a field day with this. And they'll say that, well, God's love is is limited. There's a a limited atonement because there's a certain amount of people that are just going to cook the fires of hell. And Pharaoh was one of them. And if you're one of those people that drew the short straw, no salvation for you. But I completely disagree with that 100%. Let the Bible be our commentary here. For scripture interprets scripture. Yes, God did harden Pharaoh's heart here. But the Bible mentions Pharaoh's heart being hardened like 20 times. And it specifically says that Pharaoh himself hardened his own heart in Exodus 3.19, Exodus 5.2, Exodus 8.15, Exodus 8.32, and Exodus 9.34, where he hardened it himself. Okay, so what does this mean then? Scripture interprets scripture. So understand what the word hardened means here. So the original Hebrew word for hardened here means that it strengthens, that it makes strong, and it confirms that thought. So God was only confirming what was already in Pharaoh's heart. And what was Pharaoh's heart? I'm not letting these people go. I'm not cleaning my own house. I'm not cleaning my bathrooms. I want slaves to do it. And these people are my slaves. And that's it. And that's it. Pharaoh was a prideful, arrogant, stubborn man. And God was going to break him. God was going to take him out. R. Kent Hughes, which is a Bible commentator, he said it like this. This paradox of divine sovereignty and human responsibility or choice is not a puzzle to be solved, but rather a mystery to be adored. What does that mean? A mystery to be adored? Yes, it's it's, it's free will. 
Like free will. It's a crazy thing. Like God gives us our free will. The older I get, the more I don't want free will. No, God, don't give me free will. Because free will gets me in trouble. Because free will says, I can go do this and I can go do that. I was like, I don't want to do those things. Lord, make me a robot. I'm here to serve Jesus. Because, because if I have my own free will, I'll do something stupid. See, this is why I had to take on my phone and get rid of all social media, Twitter, everything, gone. Why? Because when you're cruising around on there, there's some things on there that... Oh, you shouldn't see because it's like, ah, you know, oops. You know, then you start, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. Get rid of the whole thing. Get rid of it all. See, because free will will kill you at times. But nonetheless, God has given us his own free will. Even to the point where someone, if they're destined to go to hell in a handbasket, they can go to hell in a handbasket. He'll put up roadblocks. He'll put up people to say, no, maybe you should listen to the Lord. But they'll say, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear See, free will is a bad thing, but that's what God's given to us. It's a mystery. And it's like, wow. But we can also, with our own free will, say, oh, God, I'm a mess, but I come to you. God, please forgive me, and he will. Wow. So free will, it works bad, but it can work good too. And don't miss how God likens Israel in verse 22 to 23 to his own son. How intimate is that? God likens us to his own children. We're told in Romans 8, 15, for you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So the Bible says that he looks at us as adopted children. You are his sons and his daughters. Now, you might think like, okay, well, I'm like an adopted son. But you have to understand, back in this day, that terminology of adoption, it was like like you had to have someone that you could pass on your family name to. And if you didn't have a son, you better adopt one. And if you adopted a son, and then somehow, miraculously, your wife came up pregnant and had a little baby boy, guess who gets the blessing? The adopted son has rule over your own flesh and blood. That's the emphasis of adoption. It was like even more so because God says, I pick you. I choose you. I adopt you. And I take you as a prime of my daughter or my son. And he says, so now you can call me Abba Father. This was like revolutionary at the time because people like they would think about God like okay God oh God yes yes hello have mercy um I mean it would be like you would fear God at the biggest amount of fear and yet now God's saying no 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 you can come to me and call me Abba see when you're over in Israel you see all these little toddlers and they're like Abba Abba you know it's like our equivalent of daddy daddy or papa papa now, if you have a really horrible relationship with your dad because your dad's an idiot, okay, it's like, it's hard for you to fully grasp onto this because you've had, you don't have a good example of a good father. Now, if you have a really tender father that loves you and cherishes you and is always there for you, then you can kind of grab onto this. But you just have to, whether you have a great father or not, you have to understand what God's saying is, you can come to me as daddy, daddy. I'm here for you. That's how much I care for you. It's an intimate term here. Let's read Exodus 4.24. Now, it came about at the lodging place, so they pulled the donkey over into the little uh, side road here. We're going to lay down for the night. And the Lord met him, who Moses, and he sought to put him to death. 
Okay, so let's pull over the donkey into the rest area, and God's going to kill you, Moses. Yeah, Moses, saddle, unsaddle the donkey. I'm going to kill you. Okay, verse 25. Then Sipporah, this is his wife, took a flint, that's a knife, a flint knife, and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet and said, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So we've got a pretty good fight here with mom and dad. Verse 26, so he let him alone. So God says, okay, now I'm not going to kill you, Moses, because your wife just saved your behind. At that time, she said, you are a bridegroom of blood to me because of the circumcision. What is all of this about? It's like, you don't see that in your typical Bible story in the children's ministry. No, you don't. See, what happened here is Moses forgot that he was a spiritual leader of his home. He forgot that he was a spiritual leader. So what does all this mean, though? Here we have a little family tension, a huge fight, you could say, happening on their road trip to Egypt. So again, what is going on here? Well, Moses obviously didn't circumcise his children. And thank God for his wife. She came to the rescue. We have God ready to put Moses to death. Like, I'm just going to kill you over this for his rebellion here of not circumcising his two sons. Now, we're not given any more details on why Moses rebelled like this towards God, but thank God for his wife, because she took matters into her own hands. She grabbed a flint knife, and she went over to her two sons. Now, listen, these are not like newborns. These aren't like the little twins. They're not like two, hi, Abba, Abba. No, 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 no. They've been... Married for 40 years. We don't know when the sons were born, but these sons could be in their 20s now. And mom is hot-fired mad at dad, and now she's coming at the boys, drop your drawers. And she's got a knife. I can see the boys are like, okay, mom, settle down. (laughs) Take it easy, mom. Okay, but uh, mom, she circumcised those boys right on the spot. Boom, circumcision. Okay, this is the point. There's many times that women because of their sensitive nature to the Spirit of God, that they have to step in at just the right time with true discernment and a right word for the Lord. And in this case, she stepped in with a flint knife. <laughs> but, but why was God so mad again? Well, we have to understand when God instituted circumcision through Abraham back in Genesis 17, God set his people apart through circumcision. That was his mark on his people. Genesis 17, 7 says this, I will establish, this is God speaking, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout your generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. This is my covenant, God said, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Moses had an obligation to circumcise his boys, and he didn't. He was to be an example of a leader of God's people. And us men are called to be the spiritual leaders of our home. And if you're not that spiritual leader, you need to become that spiritual leader here. Amen. 
So he would be setting the example and circumcise everyone before they left Egypt. That's what was supposed to happen. It was a covenant sign to the world that these people belong to God. In the same way we as believers in Jesus, we have a covenant. Matthew 10, 32 says, Therefore, everyone who confesses me, Jesus said before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny him before my Father who is in heaven. So we as believers, we cannot be the believer with the brown bag over our head with two holes cut in it. Okay, we can't be the the unknown believer, you know, like, oh, yes, I'm kind of the Christian kind of flying under the radar. No, 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 no. If you're a Christian, you got to say it. you got to stand on it. You can't sit there and deny the Lord in front of the public because if you do, God will deny you in that day. We cannot deny who we are, which brings up our final quick point here, speaking of hope. Verse 27 says, Now the Lord said to Aaron, Go to meet Moses in the wilderness. This is his older brother. This is before the edict went out. Remember Moses, there was an edict that all baby boys have to be drowned in the Nile River and he was spared you know, swimming down the Nile River in a little ark that his mom made. But his brother was a few years older than him. So anyway, Aaron goes out and meets him in the wilderness. So he uh, went and met with him on the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words that the Lord had given him and sent him and all the signs that he had commanded him. Verse 29. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. And he then performed the signs in the sight of the people. Uh, You know, the whole leprosy hand, the staff turning into the snake, turning water into blood. Verse 31. So the people believed. And when they heard, listen, when they heard the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that God had seen their affliction, they bowed low and they worshiped. Wow. So again, first we have Moses and his real brother Aaron reuniting here. So, you know, now Aaron's going to be the mouthpiece for Moses here. So Moses shares everything that happened to him and all that God shared. You know, this is a bummer, isn't it? Maybe you think, well, what's a bummer? Well, it's a bummer for Moses. Instead of just doing what God had called him to do, now he has Aaron come alongside him. You know, now Aaron's doing half the work. You know, Moses should have done it all. Know this, if we are not willing to do something for God, listen, mark this in your mind, God will raise up someone else. Oh, you don't want to do it? Okay, I'll raise up someone else because God is going to have it done no matter what. He will always raise up someone else who is willing to move if you're not willing. And that just means that we miss out on what God wanted us to do. Aaron ended up being a mixed bag, kind of, and we'll see that as the studies unfold. On one hand, it seemed like he was able to speak in public pretty good, where Moses said he was petrified. And Aaron also seemed to have the talent to handle public relations. You know, at first, their partnership seemed to work out well in communicating what God had desired uh, them to do. But as we will find out later, Aaron ends up leading the people into sin leading them astray. Now, God forgave Aaron, but a lot of people lost their lives over his huge mistake. But at first, it was great. As we see in verse 29, they assembled the people together. They pulled out the bag of miracles that the Lord gave them. The people believed. But the one point that I'd like to just end on right here is that what really drove them to the message of hope. 
Notice the people didn't believe because of the bag of miracles. They believed because they heard that the Lord was concerned for them. The Lord was concerned for them. That word concern comes from the Hebrew word that means that God was interested in them, that he was engaged in their plight, in their position. Do you know that God is concerned about you today? That he's interested, he's engaged in your life, that he cares about you? See, people lose hope when people don't think anybody cares. When people feel alone, when people feel abandoned, it's hard for them to move forward. It's hard to not just want to get up and, you know, and go. You just want to give up instead. But to hear that God loved them, that he cared about them, it just put them over the edge and their hearts were melted on the spot. Yes, we will never be orphaned by God. He will never leave us alone. We will never have to fight our own battles alone because our God is a God of mercy and grace, and He loves us. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.